Today is the seventh B attitude, and um, it's a good one, everybody. It's not what you think it is, and so you're going to need to let me explain it to you. But here is the seventh beatitude. It's found over in the book of Matthew, chapter 5, verse 9. You guys been enjoying this series, by the way? Getting into this? I love, I love this. It's, one of my, it's been one of my, my favorites. These values that God has called us to live by that are so countercultural, they're so different than what the world is doing right now, but are so needed in our world right now. Come on, the, the world needs some merciful people right now. The world, the world needs those who who are, are pure in heart right now. The world, right, we, we're called back to these things. And so here's our next one. And this is a powerful one for the moments that we're living in as a nation. It's this, my friends, Matthew chapter five, verse nine. Blessed are the peacemakers. We need some peacemakers right now, huh? In a world that is filled with so much turmoil and so much division and so much hatred and so much animosity, God looks at the church and he says, you are to be peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. You know what I love about this verse is, is first of all, it reveals to us God's heart. Like God is a God who wants peace. God wants our nation to experience peace. He wants people in our world to experience peace. Listen, I, I, in the middle of all the turmoil and the unrest and the hatred and the division and the animosity, God shows up what he wants to bring. He wants to bring peace to the situation. God shows up, and I need you to understand this, to your home. God shows up to your family dynamic. God shows up, and he wants to speak over Thanksgiving, everybody. <laughs> he just wants to speak peace. Some of you are very worried about Thanksgiving, right? Come on, there's a lot of, lot of division in homes right now. There's a lot of things to be divided by. There's a lot of things that would cause unrest and turmoil, and, and God wants to bring peace. I love this, that, that God's heart is, is for peace. Your life right now. Some of you, even just internally, it's not the turmoil outside or the turmoil in your family. I mean, you've got turmoil all up inside your heart. And I just love the fact that, that the heart of Jesus is, is a heart, in his heart, he wants to, his, his passion is your peace. He, he wants you to experience what, what the Jews called, Hebrews called shalom. And, and in their mind, it was the, it was the ultimate um, is the ultimate attribute. It's what the kingdom of God did in the life of a person, is it brought you just the shalom, like I'm okay. No matter what's going on around me, everything inside me is just, I can't explain it, I'm okay. Hey, the, the world might, might be falling apart and in animosity and in turmoil, but inside my heart there's, there's, there's a sure foundation and there's peace and this world isn't my home, I'm not living for it anyway and I just got this peace all up inside of me and God, wants to bring peace. It's really interesting that God chooses, the way he chooses to bring peace is on the shoulders of the church. So when we look at our nation and go, oh man, we need, we need peace. And we, we look in our, in, our, in our families, we look at it. God says that the, the weight of the peace that needs to be brought, the, the responsibility to bring the peace rests upon the church. So you are the peacemakers. In other words, if you don't make peace, we don't have peace. Church, if you can't figure this out, the world will constantly be living in turmoil. The, the world will, will constantly be, be dealing with, with hatred and strife and animosity. If the church doesn't step into this value and learn how to live as peacemakers, we will not see peace. He puts the responsibility to live out peace, to bring peace on the church. Do you guys see that, amen? Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons 
God, you know, this is one of those verses that's very easy to sloganize. And churches, as a church, we love doing this. Christianity, you know, churchianity loves sloganizing the things that, that Jesus says. And so we take this, blessed are the peacemakers, and we instantly want to put it on a, put it on a, um, oh, I don't know, like a, you know, like a, on a plaque somewhere of, of uh, maybe an eagle peacefully soaring over the, you know, the valley, blessed are the peacemakers. Or it's a, it's a poster maybe with some friends just high-fiving, hugging each other, blessed are the peacemakers, right? And, and we can easily begin to sloganize this concept, this value that Jesus is is presenting to us, but I need you to hold on before you do that. Before you run out and you purchase the the poster, before you run out and you you know you you go on and sloganize. I need you to understand what this peacemaking that Jesus is calling us to actually is, because friends, you can't just pull a verse out of its out of its context and try to interpret it based on your experience. And that's what a lot of people do. They they interpret even this based on their own experience. And so let me walk you down the road of what happens if you, if you understand peacemaking in the context of your own experience. Usually what you end up with is, is a peace that is nothing like the peace that Jesus is actually talking about. So what you and I end up with when we think of a peacemaker, well, well we think of somebody, you know, who as a peacemaker, it's somebody who hates fighting, right? It, it's a, it's a, it's a pacifist who avoids arguments and debates. It's somebody who's maybe unwilling to stand for something for the sake of keeping peace. Like, I'm not going to say that because it might rock the boat. So we want to keep peace. In order to be a peacemaker, I can't actually call that thing out. In order to be a peacemaker, I can't actually speak up. In order to be a peacemaker, I've just got to do whatever I've got to do in order to keep, quote, unquote, the peace. And so a lot of you are walking into Thanksgiving, and you got to be tipping on some eggshells around them. You don't want to break anything. Be a peacemaker. Be a peacekeeper. we got to make sure that we bring peace. But the problem with that definition of peace, it's a, it's a definition that says peace means to be without something. Peace means to be without war. Peace means to be without conflict. Peace means to be without any kind of strife. But the problem with that kind of peace, my friends, is it's not true peace. Because that peace is brought to us on the backs of diplomacy. And friends, when you implement diplomacy to bring peace, you don't end up with real peace, you end up with diplomatic peace. And diplomatic peace is not true peace, it's false peace. Diplomatic is not true peace, it's cheap peace. It's not real peace. Like to make this real, like some of you, you, you are living in a home where you desperately want true peace, but what you have is diplomatic peace. So in other words, we're not going to talk about that issue because you know how they get. And we have to make sure we don't go here because it's going to, you know. And so now we have peace because there's quiet in the home. But it's diplomatic because just below the surface, just right below the surface of that diplomatic peace is the, all this unrest. There's tension and there's, there's turmoil, there's, there's unforgiveness, and there's, and there's bitterness, and, and there's just, everything's in knots inside your heart, but it's quiet in the home. Friends, I'm trying to tell you that Jesus did not come to just bring diplomatic peace. He came to bring true peace, real peace, whole peace, restorative peace, friends. 
Jesus wants to bring that type of peace to a home. He wants to bring that type of peace to your heart. He wants to bring that type of peace to our nations, friends. So here's what you need to understand. When you think of peacemaker, you might think of somebody who sits quietly in diplomatic peace. But when Jesus calls us to be peacemakers, he's not calling us to diplomatically promote false peace. Jesus is calling us to be activists for real peace. Peacemaker, come on, look at me. It's a, it's an, it's an, it's a verb. It's a do. It's a live it out. It's a exercise it, flex a bit. It's a, it's a get involved. It's a, it's an activity of per, helping to produce real peace on this planet. So, so maybe you thought that peacemaker means that you just don't mention certain things for the sake of avoiding argument, but Jesus actually says that real peace will, will call out things, confront things. It will address the things that, that don't allow peace in order to draw everything to peace. It's, it's an activity, my friends. Amen? So we need to understand what this real peace is, and for that, we need to look to Jesus, right? Jesus tells us what true peace is. Matter of fact, Jesus has the authority to do this because Scripture says that he's the prince of peace. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6 tells us this, for unto us is a good old Christmas verse, everybody. We're getting in the, getting in the season and the holiday here. For, us to a, for unto us a child is born, a son is given, speaking of Jesus. And the government will be on his shoulders, and we and, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, come on, say it with me, Prince of Peace. If anyone has the authority to speak on peace, I think it would be the Prince of Peace, Jesus. So how does Jesus define peace? Well, let me show it to you. Jesus defines peace by letting us know, write this down, peace is found in the boundaries of gospel truth. Peace is only found within the boundaries of gospel truth. Watch this, ready? Here's Jesus, Prince of Peace. Some of you, when you think of Jesus, Prince of Peace, you've got a picture in your mind of Jesus throwing some peace signs and a halo above his head. Now, you've seen that one before, right? When you think of the Prince of Peace, you, you think of Jesus that he, he showed up and, and you know, he kind of skipped around everywhere he went and he, he passed out food to people and maybe had a daisy in his hair because, you know, he was a peace child. And some of you think of Jesus as the Prince of Peace and this is what you, you, you see. But I want you to hear Jesus, the Prince of Peace, speak about peace over in Matthew chapter 10, verse 34. Here's what Jesus says. Do not suppose that I have come to bring peace to the earth. Hold up, Jesus. Wait a second. You're the Prince of Peace. Of course you came to bring peace to the earth. He's like, I did come to bring peace, but not the peace that you think of when you think of peace. I've become to bring true peace. So he says, don't suppose that I have come to bring your kind of peace to the earth or the, or the diplomatic peace to the earth. He says, I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. Hold up, Jesus. That seems a little aggressive. Jesus, that seems a little divisive. It's exactly what a sword does, isn't it? A sword divides. A sword draws some lines. And here's what Jesus says. In order for you to experience true peace, 
In order for you to live in a place where it's not just diplomatic peace, we got to talk about some things. We got to draw some lines. I'm going to get out a sword, and the sword that he re is referring to is the Word of God. The sword that he's referring to is what we, what we call gospel truth. And so Jesus, it's funny, people often refer to their Bibles like, where's your sword? Right? Get out your sword. I've been reading the Word of God, sharpening the sword, right? Yeah. But in a true sense, the Bible is actually, the gospel truth is a sword. And what Jesus does with the Word of God is he draws some lines. I often do things on stage, everyone's wondering what the heck I'm doing. But right now, here's what I'm doing. I'm taking the sword and I'm drawing some lines. Look at this. I'm drawing a line around me, okay? And right now the sword has said, this is a line. On that side of the line is falsehood, is lies. On this side of the line is truth. On, on that side of the line is, is rebellion. In this side of the line is holiness. On that side of the, of the line is, is bondage. In, on this side of the line, on, on this side of the line of the clearly defined gospel truth is freedom. You see, on that side of the line, there is no peace. On this side of the line, you're filled with peace. And so Jesus says, I've come to bring true peace. How? By presenting a sword with, with which I'm going to draw some clearly defined, clearly defined lines of gospel truth. And if you choose to live outside the boundaries of gospel truth, you are choosing to have no peace. If you choose to live within the lines of gospel truth, you will find yourself with peace. You see, friends, peacemakers are not those who just simply um, open-handedly accept all things and believe all things are good and, oh, that's just the way it is and for the sake of peace, let's just let things be. True peacemakers say, no, we're going to stand for truth. We will allow the word of God, the sword of God, gospel truth to define for what, us what is right and what is wrong for the sake of true peace and not just diplomatic peace. Are you following me today? Boy, this is a good word. We need this. Because see, when you thought peacemaker, you thought for the sake of peace, you just had to accept and be okay with everything. You just had to accept and be okay with what they're trying to teach your children, what they're trying to tell your kids. You thought you just had to accept and be okay with, with the way that they're they're, they're treating people. You thought you just had to accept and be okay with, with what people are choosing to believe and, or not believe. And you can't really confront it because, you, you know, for the sake of peace, you don't want to cause conflict, you know, and, and before the sake of... But friends, I need, to, I need you to understand that for the sake of peace, you're going to have to stand for gospel truth. It's quiet. You guys all right? I know. You're trying to picture your Thanksgiving. Just hang on with me, everybody. Hang on. So you need to understand that it's within the lines of gospel truth that there's peace. Let's talk about really quick some of the, the peace that exists within the lines of, of gospel truth. Here's, here's how Jesus defined peace. First of all, the peace that Jesus is talking about that is brought to us by the defining lines of the sword, the first peace that Jesus wants us to experience is, is what, what is known as peace with God. See, peace with God is only found within the lines of gospel truth. Colossians chapter 1, verse 19 and 20 says this, for, for God was pleased to have all of his fullness dwell in him, him being Jesus, 
and through him to reconcile to himself all things. Someone say reconcile. It's an important word. Jesus reconciled all things to himself, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. So when scripture says that Jesus came to reconcile, what does it tell us about the condition of humanity? It tells us that the condition, the condition of humanity was broken. There's something wrong with it. Like if, if a couple comes in, in to get some counseling at church and our goal is to reconcile the relationship or reconcile some differences, what are we saying? We are saying that there once was harmony and now there is no longer harmony. Okay, things have been, been, been out of sync for a little while. And what we're trying to do in reconciliation is bring things back into sync. We're trying to resync their relationship. Does that make sense? Bring it back into flow and bring it back into harmony. Well, friends, this is the main issue in our world today, is that people need to be reconciled to God. There is no peace in our world because there is no peace in people's hearts. There's no peace in people's hearts because people have not yet been reconciled to God. And so they're out there trying to find peace in this and in that. And maybe if I get more frustrated about this or I make a bigger stand on that. And maybe if we win this, then we'll find peace. No, no, no. Peace is only found when you are reconciled to God, when you make peace with God. See, in the beginning, God creates the heaven and the earth. He creates Adam and Eve, and Adam and Eve, it tells us that they, they are in harmony with one another, that there is no shame, that they're, they're in harmony with God. Everything's, everything's flowing along perfectly, right? There's just this rhythm, and everything is great, and God calls it all good. The goodness that Adam and Eve were experiencing was lived within, come on, follow me here, just let me go there with you so you guys understand the foundation of this. The goodness that Adam and Eve were, were experiencing was found within the boundaries of, of truth. Found within the boundaries of what was the, the law, the, the word of God. And what was the word of God? It was, hey, don't eat of that tree. I mean, that seems like, like, come on, of all that's, you guys can do that. And everyone wants to focus on what God told them not to do. Don't eat of that tree. You got to realize that in the, in the garden there was thousands of other trees. Like you could eat of any of them. Like just go to your heart's content. Just don't touch that one. And man was thriving in, within the government and the governance of God. Under the, the guise of, of his rule and his reign and his word, right? But here's what man did. They said, God, we see what you say. But we know better. God, we see what you're saying, but we got a better way. This is our world right now. We got a better way. We, we can do this without you. And we, we know what you say, but we, we don't like what you say. So we're going to do our own thing. And so Adam and Eve, as you know, they step outside of the boundaries of, that God set up for their life. He did it because he loves them. He did it because they, he cares. And yet they chose to go their own way. And in the moment they did, they stepped outside of the lines of, of God's word. And in that moment, they unleashed chaos on our planet. Why? They unleashed the dogs of sickness and death upon our planet. We did that. We broke the planet. We went our own way. We stepped out into rebellion. And now we are paying the consequences of that rebellion. 
from that moment forward, you guys, chaos has existed in the world because chaos exists in our hearts. Right after that moment, Genesis 2, you get into, you get into the fact that, you know, Cain and Abel, there's a murder already. Everything was good, but now we're doing our own thing, and we got murder, and now we got strife, and now we got brokenness. Where does it come from? There's an unrest now inside of people's heart. And they will never find rest until they find rest in God. There's an unrest, there's a turmoil in, in, in the heart of man that's coming out in all these different ways. And that turmoil will, will never find peace until it makes peace with God. Every heart is longing to come back to that from which it first came. Every heart is longing to come back to God. But we're running out there trying to find fulfillment in things that are never meant to fill us. Peace in things that can never bring us peace. Every heart is longing to be made right with God. Amen? So there within these gospel lines is this, this what we call this, this peace with God. Our hearts are longing for him. And until we make that connection, we'll never be at peace. Nothing's ever going to add up. Romans chapter 5, verses 1 and 2 say this. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. See, what God wants to give mankind is reconciliation to himself. What every heart is longing for is to make peace with their creator. Some of you in here today have that. You have it. Others of you in here today, you need it. And I'm going to give you an opportunity before we leave here to, to walk out of here having that, that reconciliation with God, peace with God. The other peace that exists within the boundaries of gospel truth is not just the peace with God, it's, it's what we call the, the peace of God. I mean, I, and unless you are walking with Jesus and you know him, it is really hard for me to explain to you what the peace of God is. I mean, you just have to, you have to be there. You, you have to go there. It's like you just have to taste it. I can't really explain it to you. But, but here's what happens in my life. There can be storms all around me. The, the world is, is, is raging all around me. But there's peace all up inside of me. It's not my peace. People will go, how are you walking through what you're walking through? And yet you remain calm and collected. And there's peace on you. And it's like, it's not my peace. Like, I didn't produce this. This is something that God has given me protecting my heart. There's a peace of God all up inside of me that passes understanding. And so I'm living my life within the lines of gospel truth and I'm reconciled to God. I have the peace with God and the peace with God now produces this peace of God that no matter how bad it gets out there, I just have this peace all up inside of here. Amen? How many of you are thankful for the peace of God in the middle of the storms that we walk through? Like... And I'm telling you, that's available, that's available to every, now, everyone. Now, now Christian, I know some, sometimes, sometimes the storms, they get pretty big, right? And you find yourself like Peter, you're walking on the water, and you've got your eyes on Jesus, and everything's good, and all of a sudden you start looking down at the waves. Remember the story? Like, he was doing good. He was walking on the very thing that was threatening his life when he was looking at Jesus. But then when he took his eyes off Jesus, he started drowning in all the things that were threatening his life. And so he had the peace. He was like, we're good. Storm walking, right? But he got his eyes off Jesus and he began to sink. And sometimes, even as believers, you could find that peace being, being stolen from you by the enemy because he's gotten your eyes off the place where they need to be, off Jesus. 
You see, Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 and 7 says this, be anxious for nothing. Nothing. What about this? He says, be anxious for nothing. Don't get all knotted up inside of you. But in everything, here's how you handle it. Here's how you, here's how you get your peace back. Okay? But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And then the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. It's, it's like Peter. Same thing to you. Just get your eyes back on Jesus. Okay? And so where does that happen? All things in prayer and supplication. Make your request be made known to God. What's prayer? It's just you need to get and you need to go talk with God. You need to get yourself, you need to spend time in God's presence every single day of your life. And as you do, he says he wants to hear from you. It's this thing, prayer is you talking to God. What's supplication? It's prayer still going, God, here's some problems, here's the stuff, here's what's going on. God, as a leader right now in the middle of 2020, you know, the church can't meet. Like, this is the stuff happening to me. Can I take you back? The church can't meet. We're producing content. We're doing a good job. I mean, my goodness, the team crushed it. But we're sending it out into space. I don't even know. Like, do we even have a church anymore, God? Where are things? And what's going to happen? Are we ever going to be able to meet again? And oh, my goodness. And you, you find yourself starting to stress out. And in the middle of all that, now we have all this racial tension. Do you speak up? Do you not speak up? Of course you speak up. But if you say the wrong thing, people are going to, if you don't say, I'm just in trouble either way you look at this thing. But my goodness, God, we're just going to press in. We're going to, and there's all these things that can cause there to be unrest and cause there to, to, to cause you to lack peace. But you know how you walk through that in the middle of peace? Is every day I just go and close the door. Jesus says you close the door. Go to, your, go to prayer and just sit before God and go, thank you, God, <laughs> that you're in charge. And thank you, God, that every promise you have given me is yes and amen. And God, you have said that you will work all things out for good to those who love you and are called according to your purposes. I don't got any, I don't got any problems that are bigger than you. My goodness, God, you, you spoke the world into existence. Jesus, you rose again from the grave. If you conquered the grave, I think you could probably handle any problem I might be facing today. Matter of fact, God, you're probably using the problems that I'm facing today. Because what you do is you use the things that are threatening us to set us up for the things that you're leading us into. Okay, God, I'm just going to surrender to what you want in the middle of what's going on. I just got a peace all up inside of me, right? There's peace. It's called this peace of God. And it's available to every single person who has peace with God. Amen? Where is it found? Only within the lines of truth. Gospel truth. Peace with God. Peace of God. The Prince of Peace came to bring us peace with God and the peace of God. And now he looks at the church. Come on, let's lean into some application. Because, hey, church, there's a world out there on fire right now. There's a world out there in turmoil right now. There's a, there's a world out there, crazies up through the roof. Come on, somebody. There's all sorts of unrest. And I am calling you to be peacemakers. What does that mean? In the context of what we talked about. Do we walk out of the doors and, and, and tiptoe around issues? Do we walk out and try not to rock the boat? Do we walk out and just kind of help continue to promote diplomatic peace? No, we actually become those who speak of true peace, call people back to real peace. And in order to do that, we're going to have to address some things. We're going to have to stand for some truths. We're going to have to... Have some hard conversations. 
We're going to have to expose some things that maybe no one wants to talk about. Why? Because we are on a peace-seeking mission. And anything other than true peace is not real peace. And so I go in love, and I go in faith, and I'm going to be a peacemaker. It means that I seek to make peace by bringing people to the place of peace. I seek to make peace by bringing people to the place of peace. And where is the place of peace? It's within the lines of gospel truth. It's when those who have been reconciled to God seek to help reconcile others to God. That's the peacemaking mission. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 and 18. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now, all things are from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. It's the ministry of peacemaking. How does it happen? How do we do it? I'll give you two quick things as we close. Write this down. You first have to, you have to stand for truth. Someone say stand for truth. You have to stand for truth. And this might get messy. This might not be perfect. It might not always look like peacekeeping when we're standing for truth. But here's what truth does is truth exposes what keeps people from peace. If I have a friend who's walking down a road that is destroying their life, and I show up into their life as the, as the called by God to be a, a peacemaker, well, then, my goodness, the very first thing I need to do is to address the thing that is actually leading them from peace. I have to address the, the, the truth. You see, truth doesn't ignore problems. Truth has the tough conversations. Jesus called sin, sin, didn't he? Jesus didn't ignore it. He exposed it. He confronted it always with the mission of bringing people within the lines of gospel truth so they could experience peace. I mean, think about this. Think about how awkward it was for the woman at the well, right? I mean, she just woke up that day. She just wanted to go get some water, all right? But God wanted to move in her life. God wanted to set her free. God wanted to give her true peace because she was all up in turmoil. So she shows up to, to the well. She's going to draw some water, and some man shows up. She doesn't know the man, but this man starts talking about living water. And she's like, that sounds good. Where do I get it? And what does Jesus do? He asks her a question. What's the question? Woman, why don't you go get your husband? That's a bit awkward. Jesus knows that she doesn't actually have a husband. Jesus knows that she's had many men. She's gone from one guy to the next 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 guy. And she's looking for love in all the wrong places, finding love in too many faces. I say all the time. But Jesus says, go and get your husband. He knows that the man she's living with isn't currently her husband. What does Jesus do? He brings it to the surface. In order to help her step into true peace, Jesus goes, can we talk about something? Why don't you go get your husband? She's like, well, Jesus, you see, I don't have a husband. What did Jesus say? That's right. You're right. What is he doing? He's bringing up the actual issue in her life that is keeping her from real peace. That she's looking for peace in all these things that are never going to give her peace. And Jesus said, can we talk about that? And he does it in a tasteful way. He does it in a, in a loving way. But what does truth do, friends? Truth, listen, truth, our, our truth stands it exposes, it calls out, 
it's, it's, a, it's a light that shines into the darkness and it, it exposes the things that we're trying to hide in the darkness. And, and friends, Jesus exposes it. And us as peacemakers, you're gonna have to do the same thing. Sometimes the most loving thing you can do for somebody is to sit down and have the hard conversation. When you see someone you love walking down, a, walking down the wrong path, when you notice something is off, I'm telling you right now, don't ignore it. If you're a peacemaker, you'll actually find a way to speak to it. And I know this is not always easy and it's not always clean. Sometimes it gets messy. But friends, we got to be willing to step into some of that messy if we're actually going to help people come to a place of peace. I can't tell you how many times God would nudge my heart, show me something that was, that was happening in somebody's life, just kind of give me some insight. And I, with just prayer and as much love as I can muster up to not come riding in on some high horse and try to tell them what they're doing wrong, truth, truth, truth. I came in as just gentle and just said, hey, can we talk about something? And just in the most loving way we could, just expose the, the, the path, expose the problem. And I can't tell you how many times God would use that by his spirit to draw that wayward child, the wayward son or daughter of, of the house of God back into the house of God. Or to draw those who, who were running out doing their own thing, to draw them back home. I can't tell you as well how many times God would nudge my heart and I just ignored the nudge. Oh, it's not a big deal. Maybe it's not what you think. And, maybe, and I just kind of blew it off. And I can't tell you how much pain it causes to watch that life then slip further and further away from peace and watch that life just slip into things that, you know, you would have never believed if, if you were told up front, right? And, and I thought if I only would have stepped in and, and just stood for truth. Peacemakers, listen, you got to find yourself standing for truth somehow. James chapter 5, verses 19 and 20 says this, my brethren... If, if anyone among you strays from the truth, from the what? The truth, okay? And one of you turns him back, let him know that he who turns a sinner from the error of his way will save his soul from death and cover a multitude of sins. God says that's just, that's on you. Church, we're called to do that. If God, if God showed it to you, if he lets you in on it, the Spirit of God is probably wanting to use you to help that person. And friends, I know that's not always easy, and I know it's not always clean. It could get super messy. It could cause all sorts of upheaval. It could look nothing like peacemaking. But friends, peacemaking, who wins people to the kingdom, will confront the things that are outside of the kingdom. You guys okay so far? So 1 Corinthians chapter 5, so you guys can read it for homework. 1 Corinthians chapter 5, Paul, um, Paul's peacemaking campaign involved kicking somebody out of the church. Like, Paul's like on this... He he's, he's, wants to bring peace to the church and peace to this guy's life. And so he kicks him out of the church. Why? Well, in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, this man is having sexual relations with his father's wife. Like, figure that out, right? And everyone in the church knows about it. This is like definitely outside of gospel lines. I mean, and, and the guy isn't blushing over it. He isn't embarrassed by it. Like, he's posting about it. It's all over his Instagram. Like he's out, he uses pictures of him and his stepmom on Facebook. It's a little awkward, right? But nobody's saying anything. Paul hears about it and he calls it out. He says, hey, can we talk about this guy? He confronts it. Why? Because he loves the church and he loves this guy. And here's what Paul says. If you repent, 
then we'll support you and come around you and come alongside you. But if you don't repent, you can't come around and expect us to keep supporting you. You can't come around and expect us to become enablers of this thing that is actually disabling you. And so Paul says we got to make a change. Paul, that's so cool. Paul, what about the love? Paul's like, the most loving thing I can do right now, the most loving thing we can do right now is stop enabling this guy in hopes that he repents and comes back to God. It's tough stuff. But peacemakers are willing to step into some of that mess and navigate it, not ignore it. We're peacemakers. We're going to bring the truth. The moment we start ignoring sin instead of exposing it is the moment we start skirting the very issues that are hurting the people we love. Jeremiah chapter 6, verse 14 and 16 say this. They offer superficial treatment for my people's mortal wounds. They, they, they give assurance of peace where there is no peace. For they, are they ashamed of their disgusting actions? Not at all. They don't even know how to blush. Therefore, they will lie among the slaughter. What scripture is saying is that there's people who are out just doing crazy. And they're not even, there's not even blushing. They're not even ashamed of it. They don't even know that it's like wrong. They have nothing to, nothing to compass, compare it to. And because there's not a shame and there's not repentance, it's going to destroy them. And if we love people, friends, man, we're going to go out and as best we can, we've got to stand for truth. Someone say stand for truth. It's okay to rock the boat a little bit. Man, it's okay. And it's even sometimes absolutely the most loving thing you could do is to, is to expose some stuff that's off. So we've got to stand for truth. But here's the last one as we close. The band comes up. We also have to stand for grace. you got to stand for truth. But friends, listen to me, church. Peacemakers will also stand for grace. Because here's what truth does. Truth says, tr truth says you're dirty. Truth says that's wrong. Grace comes in, and not just simply truth saying you're dirty. Grace comes in and says, but you can be made clean. Truth says, that's where you need to go, and that's what you, where we need to be. And, and grace comes in and says, let me help you get there, right? Grace, grace meets you where you are while truth is pointing to where you need to be. You see, there's this, that they work together hand in hand. So we can't just come in and say, you're dirty, and that's where you need to be. We need to come in and say, guess what? To those who are dirty and need to be there, Jesus comes in with grace to cleanse you where you are and move you to where you need to be. You see, there's this thing called grace. And friends, we need to be those who preach, proclaim, walk in, bathe in, and flow out of us grace. To everyone around us. So, so Thanksgiving's coming up. What do you do? You got to walk into it with a little bit of truth. And you got to walk into it with a little bit of grace. And you got to have a balance. You can't just be like, I can't wait. To. Some of you are so excited about this message because you're like, I can't wait. My pastor said, I'm going to tell them the truth. It's a you're coming over this way, right? Truth, truth, truth. Well, Jesus is also saying you're going to need some grace. Matter of fact, in, in the book of John, study it, in the book of John chapter 1, it tells us that Jesus came to us full of two qualities, full of truth and full of grace. And so when we show up to the world that desperately needs peace, they can only be brought to peace if we somehow stand for truth 
I gotta expose some, I gotta talk about some. We gotta, we gotta actually have conversations with people. We gotta actually, you know, let the lines be the lines that God has drawn. I'm not gonna move them. God put them there. And so we, we, I'm not gonna act like they're not there, okay? I gotta stand for truth, but I also have to stand for grace. Throw an arm around them, walk with them, right? Love on them. Truth, grace. And what balance does, friends, it's constantly adjusting. Think about that, balance. How do you stay on a balance beam? You constantly adjust. And so you walk into what God's called you to do, God's constantly adjusting. Don't fall too far toward, just I'm gonna give it to you. And then don't fall. Some people do this, this is all grace. This is all grace, baby. Just grace. Grace, you know. But friends, listen, if that's your if that's your mode of operation, then you're never gonna actually help people step into peace because you'll never experience peace unless you tell them the truth. You see it? And so the gospel is truth, the gospel is grace. I need you to see this. Romans 3 23 is your close. Here's the truth. Ready? God gives it to you. It's really clear. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. <laughs> that, this doesn't sound like good news. That, that, the truth hurts a little bit. It sting. Anyone get a little stung by that? Wait a second. What are you trying to say? I'm trying to say you're not all that. I'm trying to say you don't always do things perfectly. I'm trying to say that, that there's this thing called sin in your life. You've got to talk about sin. You gotta, that's the truth. And Scripture doesn't hold any punches. It's just like, there's, there's the truth. Okay? And a lot of times we stop there. But then Romans 3.24, right after 3.23, for all sin and fallen short of the glory of God, it says this, and all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came through Jesus Christ. Look at that. Truth, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Grace, but all are redeemed through the one who can redeem. Truth, grace, grace, truth. Peacemakers, friends, what the world needs from you and I is people with some backbone are going to stand for truth. People with some backbone are going to stand for grace. I will speak up and love on you the whole way through. In Jesus' name, we could do this, right? I mean, you just might be in their life for this moment. I want you to pray over it. I want you, I want you to ask God to give you the, the time. And here's, and give you the moment. And here's what you do is you extend the truth and you extend the grace. Some of you got wayward kids. Come on. And they're doing things that you I can't believe. Here's what I want you to do. They need to know. They need to know the truth from, from you, mom and dad. Where you stand and what the Bible says. But they also need a lot of grace from you, mom and dad that I'm going to love you anyway. Hey, you know that I don't agree with your lifestyle. You know that I don't agree with the decisions you're making. You know that I don't, but guess what? I'm going to still have you over for Thanksgiving. And it might hurt you like crazy. And it tears you all up inside. But you're going to keep on loving them. But you're also going to keep on truthing them. And you're also going to keep on, come on, are you with me? And God is going to use it. Because you stand for truth and you stand for grace. And you just let that be lived out in every area of your life.